You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, your trusty, if not talented, host of the program, fresh from BamaOnline.com, where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama affiliated website on the 247sports.com network. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier. They are open today. Get your post-Thanksgiving fix at Peterbrook. Open right now until 8 p.m. this evening. That's Monday through Saturday, 11 to 8. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. I've already been into the peppermint bark this morning. Can't help it. It's addictive. You know, I'm trying to treat it with moderation. That's difficult as well. But so many great treats for you there at Peterbrook. Joined on the program by executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-bit-a-boo of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how you know? I thought more so than probably any show out there, we did as good of a buildup to Thanksgiving and the spreads uh, right here on Southern Fried Sports. So, let us hear it. How did it go? Uh, hopefully, it was a, a good couple of days off for you. Yeah, man, it was it was pretty good, pretty easy going. Uh, you know, I like to say I was disciplined because I only got one plate, but I filled that plate to the brim <laughs> with every single side and and all the turkey I could muster. So it, you know, great Thanksgiving though. Quiet, just an easy two days off. The, the the eight hours of driving wasn't what I would appreciate, but hey. All things considered, great holiday. Yeah, yeah. So you exceeded the starting five that we outlined leading up to Thanksgiving. You maybe went over the starting five items on the plate. Uh, but, again, as you said, you made just one trip. I kept it to pretty much five. And, you know, it was I, – I did a, a decent-sized serving in, in those areas. But I felt like I was pretty proud of myself. I, I don't feel bad today. Now, what do you do in terms of leftovers Jacob, is there a plan for that? Did you uh, return with any of those? Is that is that in your foreseeable future, the Thanksgiving leftovers? Oh, we took the majority of the leftovers. <laughs> uh, 
it, and that's saying something because it's between between my nanny and and my parents who who live close to each other, so they could share. But uh, we took the majority of the, of the leftovers, and that included the turkey. Yeah, you know what we do. Uh, the chocolate lady first thing this morning, she took the leftovers of that turkey, and she does this great corn and green beans, basically what my late grandmother used to do with the corn and the baked beans, and she had some carrots that she cooked with the turkey, and she just threw all that in a pot, man. So we basically have a Thanksgiving in a pot soup going right now. That ought to get us through the sports weekend in pretty good shape, and it's a big day of sports on this Friday after, Black Friday, although it seems like more and more folks are going cyber with that deal. I don't know. I don't see as much coverage, I guess, on my Twitter of, you know, folks camping out outside the Walmart or Best Buy at midnight trying to get in for those Black Friday sales. I'm sure it's still a thing, but it seems like has Cyber Monday maybe surpassed Black Friday in terms of popularity? Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line. By the way, if you'd like to jump on board with us on this Iron Bowl Friday, we will be joined by Charlie Potter, my cohort there at BamaOnline.com, as we continue to get you ready for the two thousand and twenty Iron Bowl, the damnedest Iron Bowl ever contested, is what I'm what I'm describing it as. Go ahead and print the shirts, right? Trademark that. Because I can't think of another Iron Bowl, anything like this. I mean, even if Nick Saban was coaching in the game tomorrow, it would be unlike any we've seen because of, well, this pandemic we got going on. Uh, you're going to have a crowd of right around, what, 20,000 and 100,000 seat stadium for an Iron Bowl tomorrow. It's also a senior day. It'll be interesting to see how Alabama goes about doing that. You're not going to have head coach Nick Saban on hand to help honor the 17 outgoing players that are expected to be uh, featured in the pregame ceremony. It's just, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, the whole season has been, but when you look specifically at Iron Bowls, I mean, there have been some crazy Iron Bowls. You had Bill Oliver back in 98 stepping in for a fired, uh, let go, Terry Bowden in the lead up to that game. Of course, Bill Oliver, a longtime Alabama guy, uh, he jumps into the head coaching seat. I believe Bill coached that game from the press box, wasn't actually on the sideline at uh, Legion Field that night back in 98. But so we've seen some different things, but nothing like this. Okay. Not in my lifetime anyway. So we'll get into some more Iron Bowl discussion. I'll make some predictions for tomorrow's Iron Bowl. Five calls that we'll make for that game as we move throughout the program. Uh, We'll get Charlie thoughts on it as well. We'll check in with Pops later in the program. I talked with Pops yesterday morning before uh, Pops giving really got going over there on the west side of Jacksonville, Florida, yesterday. And he had some he had some protocols in place. He said he already had the doors to the home already open. You know, he was airing it out. You know, he wasn't uh, really fired up about a big gathering. He had pretty much uh, told Nana that that was not going to happen. And typically that is the case with Nana. I mean, Nana, she's typically going to have 35, 40 people over on Thanksgiving. I don't think it was even a third of that yesterday from what I understand. So we'll get Pops to sort of self-rate his performance yesterday because we worry about Pops, you know, in those family-type gatherings. And we'll also get Pops' picks. We got a lot to condense in a show because we weren't with you on Wednesday and Thursday, of course. So we got to get to Rusty 
you know, you know what I found out about Rusty over the Thanksgiving holiday? Rusty is a big fan of sweet potato casserole. Rusty will eat about anything, but I thought maybe sweet potato casserole, Rusty? Yeah, Rusty had some of that sweet potato casserole. He loved it. Yeah. Rusty going to make some picks. Rusty at 23-16 and 16 on the season. 23-16 and a push, actually. And Rusty tells us, uh, you got Texas-Iowa State cranking up right now from Austin over on, I believe that's ABC, that game. Yeah, you got Auburn-Gonzaga hoops right now, by the way, on Fox. And at last check, the Tigers were down to the top-ranked Zags uh, by 12. Uh, so Auburn trying to hang in there a little bit with a really good Gonzaga basketball team. Want to get into some Alabama basketball talk with Charlie, too. Took in that game Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum. Impressive season-opening performance for Nate Oates' team. Javon Quinterly, pretty much the storyline there. You wanted to see what Javon Quinterly could do at the point guard position, and I think he answered a lot of that for you. I don't think there were many questions about what he could do in place of Kyra Lewis Jr. there, uh, but if there were, I-, I thought he did a nice job of, of quelling any concerns folks might have about you know his place there on the ball. And so, yeah, from a football perspective, Texas, Iowa state cranking up right now. Um, two top 20 teams, Iowa state 13th ranked, Texas 17th and rusty liked Texas getting the point, Texas getting a point in Austin today against Iowa state. So rusty liked that one. Rusty coming up in just a little bit. Rusty likes North Carolina getting the five and a half at home. Yeah, against Notre Dame, Rusty likes. He also likes on Saturday. He likes South Carolina getting the 21 and a half. I mean, I don't think we've seen anything from South Carolina, Rusty, that suggests even at Williams-Brice Stadium, South Carolina can stay within 21 and a hook of the visiting Georgia Bulldogs. Did you not see JT Daniels against Mississippi State last Saturday night, Rusty? I mean, come on, three for 401. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think what Rusty saw was, even with that, the dogs only won by a touchdown at Sanford Stadium. So he'll take those 21 and a half in the Gamecocks. And he's staying on the Hawaii Rainbow Warrior train this week. Hawaii got him home with uh, getting 14 last Saturday night. Late night with the Bows out in Oahu. Hawaii covered the 14, I believe it was 14, that they were getting against Boise State. Now Hawaii gets seven at home tomorrow night with the Wolfpack of uh, Nevada. Nevada Reno, as old timers probably refer to them, set to visit Aloha Stadium. 205-342-9904. So let's get into some early thoughts on this Alabama-Auburn game for tomorrow afternoon. That, of course, a CBS broadcast. CBS, happy to be back with some SEC football. At least we expect that to be the case uh, after being shut out of things the last couple of Saturdays. Uh, First prediction for this game tomorrow afternoon, I've got Alabama rushing for more than 200 yards in the game. And I guess I might be saying Najee Harris might go for 200. And Uh, Perhaps Brian Robinson will chime in with some of that uh, assistance there and the rushing total. Um, 
you know, maybe it'll be even one of these freshman backs that we saw a little bit of, a good bit of, actually, in the fourth quarter last Saturday against Kentucky, Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams. Um, but, you know, I think there's this sort of, while the cat's away, the mice will play. You know, I see and read and hear from some Alabama fans with Saban not there tomorrow. Oh, Sark's going to go four and five wides and just air it out. Going to air it out. Yeah, you know what? Maybe 10 years ago, that Sark in this type of situation, I could envision that possibly playing out. I don't think that happens tomorrow. And I think a big reason why is Sark sees a lot of the same tape the rest of us do. And his tape's even better because he's got the all 22. But he sees Tennessee last week go for 226 on the ground, average 5.5 per carry. He saw Ole Miss go for even more than 226 uh, a couple of games back um, against this this Auburn defense. There is no Derrick Brown. There is no Marlon Davidson. There isn't even right now a K.J. Britt at middle linebacker. Now, Zacoby McClain and Owen Papo, they're nice linebackers. They're a little bit on the small end, which you don't want to be against this Alabama run game. You know, these are guys that are in that 210 range. You got Najee Harris running it 25 times at you at 230. And that's before you talk about even the guys in front of him, like Landon Dickerson, Deontay Brown, Emil Echior, Leatherwood, Evan Neal. The tight ends are very good in the run game. So I like Alabama if it chooses, if Sark wants to. I think he could just go 2008 style on this uh on this Auburn defense, just go two tight ends, maybe even three. And especially if Slay Bolden is limited or out altogether, you know, and you're down another wide receiver, you know, you go with Miller Forrestall, maybe Jalil Billingsley in there together more. And, uh, you know, you still have Devonte Smith, John Mechie on the outside. And of course, Najee Harris in the backfield. And here's what I will tell you. If it gets around to the fourth quarter tomorrow evening, and Alabama has a lead of any kind, don't blink because that fourth quarter will probably go by pretty quick because it's at that point where the Alabama run game, I think, really takes over the game. You know, Alabama has thrown, Alabama's attempted 201 passes through seven games this season. Only 24 of those have come in the fourth quarter. So that tells you, well, Alabama is typically in a good spot going into the fourth quarter. But even in games where it's been still somewhat competitive, like Georgia, um, you know, they've just taken the clock with the run game. And I think that's where you'll – you could see Alabama run for whatever Alabama's rushing total ends up being tomorrow afternoon. Half or more could come in the fourth quarter alone. I think quarterbacks for both these teams are going to throw interceptions tomorrow. You know, Mac Jones comes in having thrown a pick against Kentucky last Saturday. Uh, Bo Nix comes in having thrown a red zone pick against Tennessee last Saturday night. Um, we all know Mac had a couple in last year's game uh, down in Auburn, so we won't go back through that. You know, we won't uh, put Alabama fans through that uh, through those uh, recollections there. But you know, it is interesting. Mac has three interceptions this year. All three of them have come in Tuscaloosa. You know, Nick's a year ago in this game, he wasn't particularly efficient throwing the ball. He completed just 50% of his throws, but he had some big ones. Um, you know, had a couple of big ones to Seth Williams, the Tuscaloosa product. 
had the touchdown to Sal Canella of all people against Patrick Sertan the second, no less. Um, but you know, when you look at Nick's away from Jordan Hare, the numbers aren't as pretty on the road. I think he has two touchdown passes against four interceptions in three road games this year. Uh, I do think though, where both these offenses could get some help in terms of avoiding turnovers is that I think both of these offenses will be able to run the ball fairly effectively. So it shouldn't be a situation where really either of them need to throw it down in and down out. Uh, But if that does happen, I think it's also safe to say that the first team that sort of exceeds 30 pass attempts in the game is most likely to throw a pick tomorrow afternoon. One more before we head to the break and get to Charlie Potter. I think the two teams will combine for no fewer than three field goal attempts in the game tomorrow. And, you know, that's saying something, especially from the Alabama perspective, because through seven games, Will Rikers attempted eight. You know, that's not a big number. Uh, Just last year in this game, we know that the two teams combined for six field goal attempts. Anders Carlson, former Alabama fan of some significance, Kick four for the Auburn Tigers down on the Plains, big ones. And when you look at the numbers this season for Will Reichert and Anders Carlson, they've combined to attempt um, 20 field goals so far, and they've made 19 of those. So that's not a bad uh, bad ratio there when you talk about uh, accuracy. And Will Reichert on extra points is 46 of 46. Daniel, uh, excuse me, Anders Carlson is 19 of 20. That's interesting, not so much because of, you know, the kicking numbers, but it tells you kind of the difference maybe in these two offenses going into the game tomorrow. You know, Alabama uh, Alabama is you know, getting in the end zone a good bit more than is Auburn. And part of that, too, is red zone efficiency as we talk about a prediction like this. Alabama is converting at a 77.5% clip when it comes to touchdowns in the red zone when they get those opportunities. Seven of seven last week against Kentucky. The Auburn Tigers, on the other hand, we're talking about nearly 20% less than that as far as touchdown conversions. You know, you look at red zone statistics and you'll see one team listed ahead of another because field goals are incorporated into that. I don't care about that. You know, I want to know what the touchdown conversion rate is because field goals these days just get you beat. And so if Alabama can keep sort of that two plus to one ratio in extra points tomorrow, uh, I think the Crimson Tide will be fine with Auburn having a two to one edge where field goals are concerned. We're going to head to our first break. We come back. Charlie Potter, my cohort there at BamaOnline.com is going to join us on a Iron Bowl Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Mostly cloudy with a chance of some scattered light rain across West Alabama this afternoon and tonight. The high today 71, tonight's low 50. Tomorrow becoming mostly sunny, the high 66. Sunday cloudy, more rain by afternoon, the high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! Will not be 
Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It is that time on Friday when we head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio. I had to check in with our good pal, Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us there at BOL. I think uh, I think Charlie made a trip up to the B. That's the nickname I've given Boaz, Alabama, by the way. I don't know if anyone from there or around there actually calls it the B. But, uh, Charlie, I trust that it was a good trip up to see the folks, and, uh, and uh, everything's good to go. All right, we are efforting Charlie Potter right now. Charlie, as I said, he was expected to make the trip up to northeast Alabama. And uh, check in with the folks yesterday. So what we'll to see if we can uh, still – he's ready. He is ready. He is fresh from the B, as I call it. The former outlet uh, shopping area of the world, really, at one time, not too long ago, Boaz, Alabama. What about it, Charlie? How was the trip up to the B? It was good. Uh, good to see the family. Of course, this year you don't do that as much uh, just because you – you know, my parents are a little older. Try to keep them as safe as possible. But um, and you and I talked about it on the podcast. It was a little different this year. The <laughs> the parents chose to cater, and you gave me some grief for you know uh, being upset about that. But wasn't that great? I'll tell you that. So <laughs> 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 it's just. I mean, I think for me, you know, like Thanksgiving and all of those holidays, it's just the tradition that things you're used to growing up and. I mean, my mom's a hell of a cook, and I know um, myself and my siblings feel the same way. And I understand it gives her a break, and she deserves that um, completely. But, I mean, it, it made for some, some fun discussions at the table. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really mean to chide you and your siblings there, you know. But, uh, I mean, you got to step up every once in a while. But uh, it, I, the, Hey, I'll repeat it again. If, if if I knew that I was cooking for Thanksgiving, I wouldn't show up. So <laughs> there's, there's that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, speaking of showing up, it looked like the Alabama men's basketball team did that Wednesday night for its season opener, taking care of Jacksonville State in pretty easy fashion, I would say. Charlie, you know, we went into that game with so many new faces that we wanted to see for Nate Oates' second team at the Capstone. Uh, but I guess it really started. I know you were you were very interested in seeing Javon Quinterly after his sit-out year here in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, you know, I, I think we all wanted to see some of these guys like Josh Primo and uh, some of the, the freshmen that have come in, some of the junior college transfers, as we know, uh, Nate Oates, a uh, fan of the JUCO route in, in, in recruiting. But did it start with Quinterly for you Wednesday night? Did, did, did you see enough? Did you see what you expected to see from the Villanova transfer? Yeah, it, it was good to see just because he's been out for so long. I think his last game was March 2nd of last year. And um, he made his first start. I think he, he tied the team high in, in points and in minutes. And, um, you know, the, he had a good game on his birthday with his family in the crowd. So you can't really ask for much more. Uh, than that, if you're Javon Quinterly, and you know, with with Kyra Lewis, um, you know, choosing to enter the NBA draft and being a lottery pick, you know, he has big shoes to fill. But you know, I think he he did a good job, and um, I think we'll see more assists 
from Quinterly moving forward. I think he had three in the game, which is still, you know, a team high. But um, I think he can, you know, be a, a, a better facilitator moving forward. But you know what he showed from a scoring standpoint, um, I think Nate Oates said it's kind of a continuation of what he's done in practice. So I think that was one of the highlights uh, from the game. In a game with a bunch of highlights, I think uh, Jaden Shackelford played well. You know the newcomers, uh, you know Keon Ellis kind of stood out to me just with his speed up and down the court, and you know that's something too. Just mentioning Kyra uh, to have a guy like that uh, around the the guys you return, like John Petty and Herb Jones. That's that's good to have. So uh, I think it's a good start. Um, they'll really be tested though. You know, the start of next week going into Maui and facing teams like Stanford and potentially a, a North Carolina. So we'll learn a lot more then. But you know, for a team that it hasn't played since when it was supposed to play uh, in the SEC tournament back in March. Uh, I thought it was a good first showing. Yeah, I, I thought, again, as you said, you, you saw what you needed to see, and you're going to see a lot more uh, with this trip to Asheville, hopefully coming off as planned. Early next week, Stanford, then potentially in all likelihood, well, if you beat Stanford, you're looking at North Carolina in the second round, and you kind of go from there. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was about what you would expect. Uh, from this team and its opening game. Now, speaking of games and scheduling, uh, we can't really get into Iron Bowl talk without word here in the last 20 minutes or so coming down for Pete Thamel and Ross Dellinger and national guys like those that what was kind of rumored to be in play for the weekend after this looks to be uh, almost coming to fruition, I guess, at this point. And that would involve Alabama, instead of going to Fayetteville, going to Baton Rouge to take on LSU in a game that was postponed from a few weeks back, and then moving on to Arkansas on December the 12th. Uh, Charlie, this, this has pretty much been talked about, I guess, even leading up to the postponement of Alabama-LSU. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it made sense. Um, you knew that there were going to have to be some pieces moved around. The LSU Ole Miss game would have to be moved. And, of course, Alabama's game against uh, Arkansas next weekend. But you know, you want to get this game played for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, uh, Alabama's players, I think, are motivated to play. Uh, I think fans want to see it. Um, you know, Maybe it's not necessarily the best situation to, to face an LSU team whenever you're a couple weeks away from the SEC championship game um but you know, I, I think with you know the money this game would make from a tv standpoint it's just there were i think a lot of moving parts that that wanted to to get this game played and um you know it's a situation you know, we talked about it um you know, before i think on our podcast just the, the likelihood that this would happen and this seemed more likely than everything just kind of sitting still in alabama playing at arkansas next weekend so i think this has been kind of the um the way things have been trending for a minute and um you know now it's a it's a situation where Alabama sets up to, to end the regular season with Auburn at LSU and, and at Arkansas before likely playing forward in the SEC championship game. So, you know, another tough stretch, but um you know, in a, a season where you know, we were wondering for a while if there were ever gonna be games played to to get these in and to squeeze them in and work them in on the schedule, I think is, is good work by the SEC. So when we look to tomorrow, I mean, we're talking about a game, an Iron Bowl, without Nick Saban on the sideline. And we talked about this on our podcast, the Bama Online podcast, a few days ago. Uh, It's huge news. Don't get me wrong. It's seismic. Uh, But in this year and everything we've seen with uh, society in general and then secondarily with sports, 
it, it it's a again it's a big deal, but it, it didn't seem to send the shockwaves maybe through uh, the sports world that it would have it had Nick Saban just randomly been forced to miss a game like this. So, uh, you know, what, what's the sense you're getting from UA in the wake of all this, Charlie? Is uh, the, the Georgia week help you think in that regard? Um, do you sense that there, you know, is is concern in, in going into this game in terms of not having Nick Saban there to sort of manage things? I think there's a lot less panic, and you, know, you just mentioned that I think the Georgia game helped. You know, we likened it to a fire drill uh, back when you you were in school, and you know you would go through the the motions and, and know what to expect to do in, in case of that. And you know, now there there is a fire, and uh, I think Alabama is ready for it. And you know, it helps having um, an experienced coaching staff in Alabama, whether it's on the field coaches or analysts. They have a ton of former head coaches, and, and Nick Saban can lean on that. And you know, Steve Sarkeesian, um, you know, Nick Saban really trusts him and, and what he's done and the way that he's led this offense. And um, you know, he's going to be the guy that's making those game day decisions that Nick Saban would usually make because Saban can't have any communication um, with the team a little bit before the game or during the game at all. So, um, you know, I, I think having gone through this and prepared for this already, only for it to be a false positive, definitely helps. Um, you know, they have that experience. They kind of know what to expect. Saturday will be a little bit of a different animal because, as we all know, Nick Saban was, you know, going at the last second after he posted that uh, third negative and was able to coach against Georgia. But I think everything else has been pretty seamless. Uh, he's still been in meetings. He's still, you know, watched practice and, and everything like that. But uh, it'll it'll be weird for sure. You know, Gus Malzahn said that on the, the SEC, you know, teleconference, how strange it'll be to, to coach in an Iron Bowl without Nick Saban. But, you know, Alabama's players were motivated before. And I think they're going to be motivated again to kind of win this one for, for Saban. And, um, you know, having, you know, Sark and his experience on the sideline making those calls, I think, you know, makes them uh, rest a little easier. So it's a big deal, but it's not as a big deal as I think people expect it to be. It's obviously a storyline going into it. We wrote plenty about it. Um, you know, that almost overtook, you know, the first basketball game of the season, just, you know, covering and, and writing about Nick Saban not being in the Iron Bowl, but I don't think there's a lot of panic. I think they've been well-prepared since that Georgia game for what to expect. What about this defense? It seems that's what we say every week, and we continue to see statistically a climb uh, from Pete Golding's group up the SEC statistical st- rankings, and you know you kind of think of that in a positive light, but – I've been sort of Ebenezer Scrooge this week with the Alabama defense. I'm still in need of seeing more with an emphasis on tomorrow against an Auburn offense that may or may not have Tank Bigsby at running back, maybe down another lineman or two. Uh, Even with all that understood, uh, and again, the narrative being that this side of the ball is actually improving for Alabama, uh, is that still – is that still where the list of concerns start for for the Crimson Tide tomorrow in this game against Auburn? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously you want to make sure that everybody's good to go just because you have your head coach dealing with a, a COVID-19 case. And I don't think that's really been a, a problem for Alabama, but still that's something that sits in the back of your mind. But defense, yeah, from an on-the-field perspective, um, 
I think it starts with that. And, you know, Auburn could be without several good players. And we know that they're not going to be without, or they're going to be without uh, KJ Britt, the, the talented linebacker. But on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, Tank Bigsby has been one of the best backs in the SEC this season. You know, they had some guys uh, step up in his absence last week, and um, you'll play pretty well. And then, you know, of course, there's the, the question mark of whether or not their offensive tackles will be able to play. And if, if they don't, you know, that, that's big for Auburn. But, you know, Auburn has talented receivers. Uh, you know, Bo Nix has improved from last year. And, and Bo Nix didn't just, you know, play the game of his life against Alabama last year. But he made plays when he needed to, especially on third down to continue to to move the sticks and keep drives alive and to ultimately put up 48 points on the scoreboard. Now he got helped out by a couple of pick sixes. But um, from an offensive standpoint, when they had the ball, you know, he did things he needed to do to, to sustain drives. And you know, that's big. If he can do that uh, Saturday against this defense, um, you know, that, that'll be a problem. But Alabama has been improved uh, just in getting off the field on third down. I think that's a, a big uh, error was a big area of concern earlier in the season and they've improved in that regard if they can continue that trend that'll be big you know they need to get pressure on the quarterback and to force him into mistakes and and just get off the field and you know they took about a quarter or so against Kentucky to get adjusted to kind of a a different looking offense than um, you know they faced this season and um, you know maybe it takes a little bit of time I, I think they'll play better than they played last year it helps having Dylan Moses back in the middle of that defense uh, and, and I think he needs to play better than he did last week because I don't think he, you know, had a, a stat in the the box score. Even though you know no. that, that that's kind of subjective to some degree, but um, you know Moses has to play well. The safeties have to play well. The defensive front needs to get pressure and sustain Bo Nix. If they do that, you know, then maybe they can continue this trend. If they have a good game against Auburn, then this defense will be. Uh, well, I think we'll stop really kind of asking questions about it, but. Um, yeah, that, that just remains to be seen if that's the case. Jalil Billingsley really stepped up last Saturday with Miller Forstall getting the game off. Um, you combine that with, I guess, the uncertainty with Slade Bolden now, the ankle injury last week against Kentucky. Uh, I, how, I can envision Billingsley once again being a – a big part of the game plan, even if Forrestal's back, I guess, because we're not sure about Bolden at this point. Yeah, I think that's a good point because Billingsley is more of a, a receiving threat. I think he's improved as a blocker, but you know, when Miller Forrestal's healthy, he's going to be out there because they trust him to do um, everything that they ask him to do. And um, yeah, you know, Billingsley obviously got an opportunity with him, you know, out for precautionary reasons and, uh, it, it just adds another wrinkle to this offense. And yes, if it is a situation where, um, you know, Slade Bolden either can't go or he's, you know, maybe a, a little bit hampered by that ankle injury, uh, then, you know, Billingsley will play a, a big role. And I think, you know, they showed that they're not afraid to throw him the football early and often. You know, he had a, the, um, he was targeted on the first play of the game, the Kentucky game, and you know, he turned three catches into 78 yards. Um, he's an explosive weapon at the tight end position. That's something they really haven't had since Irv Smith. So, um, you know, adding that to the offense, I think, is is a nice thing to do. Uh, you're seven games into the season. And, um, yeah, I mean, just from a receiving standpoint, you know, he just adds another um, guy to pay attention to. And, you know, if, you're the, if the Auburn defense is keyed in on Devontae Smith and, and maybe John Mechie, then, you know, that could open things up for Billingsley to have another big day. So, yeah, I mean, um, 
in in my two four seven primer this morning, he was one of the players to watch. And uh, I think regardless of you know what uh, Miller Forrestal will be able to do, and I think he'll be able to play this week. I think Billingsley will again be a part of the game plan. So other than Bolden, and obviously we already know about Trey Sanders and Jalen Waddle, we saw LeBron Ray come back more on a situational basis against Kentucky last week on that defensive line. This team in pretty good shape from a health perspective going into tomorrow, Charlie? Yeah, for the most part. Um, you know, pregame warm-ups usually reveal a little bit more, so we'll know more um, a couple hours before the, the Iron Bowl because, of course, we're not out there and you never know why a guy's not at practice. But uh, I think some of the guys that missed last week, um, they had seven guys out with – with either you know, COVID-19 or you know because of social distancing reasons, I think a lot of those guys are going to be back. Of course, you know, they were all backups or reserves, and, but that's you know from a depth standpoint that that's good news. And I think Bolden's really the the biggest um, name on the injury front. I don't know of any for certain other than that. But uh, yeah, I mean it's a situation where you know outside of of course Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, they entered this game in much better injury shape than they did a year ago. And, you know, they, they hope that to remain the case and to be the case after the game. So you know, it continues to be that um, you know, they have, I think Nick Saban mentioned before, that they have fewer soft tissue issues. And, um, you know, they're, they're in pretty good shape from an injury standpoint entering the Iron Bowl. With Saban, has UA indicated, like, post-game what that will entail? tomorrow uh will it be steve sarkeesian that addresses the media post game will nick uh you know zoom in from his northeast tuscaloosa home any word on that yet how that's gonna work charlie yeah not yet uh, i've reached out just to ask um you know, <laughs> it, it could go either way you know we've we've only Both. heard from nick Saban. yeah yeah it's it's that one team one voice kind of mantra but you know he also hasn't missed a game before and not had a sort of interim yeah. head coach step in for him. And you know, Sarkeesian, you know, he's, he's good with the media. I mean, anytime that you know, he speaks, he, you know, he's, he's, he has experience in that regard. So still waiting on that. I mean, that's to be expected the day after Thanksgiving. Um, you know, they're still making those plans. I guess they might not have even thought ahead that far in advance. So, um, we'll see, but it, it wouldn't shock me to see either, but, um, you know, we joked on the podcast it could be Sarkeesian started out and then the the, <laughs> the feed cuts in. You have some WWE intro music and David makes his return. Who knows? Hit the music. Yeah. Um, what about from a, a staff perspective? I, I thought Nick said on Wednesday that there would be no changes. Um, but with him not available, has there been any talk about uh, perhaps an analyst being able to to move up, or is the expectation that what they have, uh, with or without Saban, is what they'll go with tomorrow from a staff perspective? Yeah, I mean, there's there's not really any room in the booth because nothing changes up there. Um, yeah. you know, maybe they get a, an analyst more involved just from an on-the-field standpoint. Um, we don't know that yet. It, it's not like they were still kind of, getting through that because a lot of the time when we talked to him Wednesday, I mean, when he talked to the SEC teleconference, that was uh, an hour, maybe even less than when he right. found out that, that he had tested positive for, for COVID-19 and was going to miss the game. And then um, I don't think he really mentioned it much in his press conference afterwards. So, you know, that remains to be seen. You know, we, we know that when Charles Kelly wasn't, um, you know, at the game against Missouri, that they, 
replaced him with Stoops up in the booth. But again, uh, you know, nothing changes in the booth, so it had to be on the field. And you know, Nick Saban, I know he's the head coach, but he always calls himself the GA uh, from a defensive backs coach perspective. So, you know, if, if they uh, uh, promote, I guess, a one-game GA, uh, that remains to be seen. But we'll, we'll continue to try to figure out what's going on there. There you go, Charlie Potter. Always great stuff for us there at BamaOnline.com. Always great with us here on Southern Fried Sports as well. Hey, Charlie, we appreciate it, my man. Have a good weekend. All right, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Charlie Potter, beat writer, BamaOnline.com. If you haven't already, give him a follow on Twitter, at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T-T-E-R. Back with more of an Iron Bowl Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back with more of an Iron Bowl Friday. Right here on Southern Fried Sports. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Jacob, uh, we got some local high school football playoff teams of note in action tonight as we creep ever closer to some state title games. ACA, Jacob, the only one of those three teams at home. Is that correct tonight? That is correct. They'll have Hanley at home while Gordo will head over to Etowah and Pickens County will handle Barry. And you guys will be on at six, right? You and Carrie? As always. Gotta say, go. six. Gotta say, Go I, I feel like Pickens County has a real good shot of getting to the state title in 1A. Uh, but I don't I do not like their chances of winning the state title. Uh, Lyndon and Brantley, two undefeated teams on the other side of the bracket. They're going to have a, a hard fought fought game, and that might actually be the state championship game right there. Great job out in reform by our guy Michael Williams. Uh, Mike Williams, former Alabama tight end, done a really nice job out there. So uh, good luck to the three local teams looking to advance the state title matchups after tonight we're gonna head to our final break and we come back it's time for pops on a friday we'll do that and more when southern fried sports returns right here on tide 100.9 fm right after this if you were mostly cloudy with a chance of some scattered light rain across west alabama this afternoon and tonight the high today 71 tonight's low 50 tomorrow becoming mostly sunny the high 66 sunday cloudy more rain by afternoon the high 68 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 the flagship station for alabama crimson tide football alabama touchdown only on tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app Right there, James Marshall, Jimi Hendrix would have turned 78 years old today. I visited Jimmy's uh, resting place out there in Seattle about a year ago. Very well done. Very nice tribute 
to one of, if not the very best to ever do it. Pops, a big Jimi Hendrix fan, if I'm uh, correct on that. Why? What about it, Pops? Jimi oh, yeah. Hendrix would have been 78 today. He 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 was quite a guy. Uh, mm-hmm. More so, the more you you learn about him, you you realize there was a lot more to him than just music. You know, he was in the army. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And 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 uh, in Europe, he was even more respected than he was in the United States. Mm-hmm. He uh, he came through your town with the monkeys back in the late seventies, and you didn't make it down there to no, the old Jacksonville no, Veterans Memorial Coliseum. No, I, I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I missed some mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah. Pops, how did uh, how did Pops Giving go yesterday over there at sixty forty seven Mizell? I know you had some stringent was, you had some stringent protocols in place, it. didn't you? Uh huh. It, it was the uh, super spreader on Mizell. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was no way Nana wasn't having Pops Giving. I mean, it there was going to no happen. No way, and uh, she did, and 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 I, all of us had our mask on and. Uh-huh. We're outside. I had every fan in the house, and the outside going wide open, and ceiling uh-huh. fans, and air conditioning turned. You know, where it's blowing, and but I, I've I've still got my fingers crossed. Nobody picked up or took gave anything. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but it was it was real good, real good. Nana, Nana did her usual magic with the uh, turkey and the ham, I guess. Oh, actually, your brother uh, did a pork pork butt. Oh, he smoked one, yeah, Gino. And it was it was delicious. It was little Gene. I, I mean, I didn't know the boy could he could do that, but it was good. You hadn't seen that smoker he's got. That smoker yeah, well, he's I'm got is like six I'm stories out. high, pops. Well, I'm telling you, it, 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 yeah. it was unbelievably good. Uh-huh. And the turkey was good. Everything was good. Gene Gene can do it with that smoker yes, now. He can. He can. He's got it down. Now, pat, did, did how many how many casseroles did Nana have for you? We talked about the casseroles he, last he week. He had the sweet potato casserole uh-huh. and the uh, uh, green bean casserole deal. Uh-huh. Uh And of course the dressing. I love the dressing. The yeah. dressing and, and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was good. she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't do stuffing. She doesn't put it in the turkey. She it's does dressing. it separate. No, 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 no. She fixes it on the stuffing on the side dressing. Yeah, you would. And you would need it. Was, she did she it that. Has gravy and all that. Mm-hmm. It was good. What about the desserts? Did she have the deviled eggs? No, no deviled eggs. I got on to her. I got on yeah. to her yesterday. Poor Nana. For no no deviled eggs, and for forty something years, all I've ever asked was for ambrosia. You I like that ambrosia. ambrosia, yeah? And she she I don't know why, but she doesn't ever get around to the ambrosia. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my late Christmas. grandmother used to make a hellacious ambrosia. That's oh, what we grew I up love on. Ambrosia, yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And and I'm hoping she'll make some for for Christmas. But so I, you had I to give her a, you had to give her a talking to about that. It was good. Yeah. 
Now, you didn't do the turkey on the grill this year. You did it inside, so there wasn't the danger of the turkey juice going down no, your leg again we, and then uh, you throwing the pan but, across but, the but backyard. Let me tell you, I had to get the turkey out of the oven, and that sucker <laughs> was heavy, and it was full of, you know, juice and stuff. And I just, I, I was waiting for it to spill out of the because I'm getting so old, I can't pick up a glass of tea. Much I was there. Turkey. I was there for that one year. You know, when the oh, turkey yeah. juice went out the sides of the pan, and <laughs> pops had on shorts, and it took it, it did a trail, a fire trail, right down oh, his yeah. left thigh. It would have. And in anger, and in anger, he threw the pan across the backyard. Yeah. It, it hit the back. It splattered all over the back of the yeah, house. Yeah, hit the back fence. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, Pops, we got to get some picks from you before we get out of here today. Well, you see, uh, who, you see who won the, the hockey bowl last week. Yeah, you? your boys, Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. don't forget it. The ret- retro bowl, we'll call yeah. that one. Um, what about North Carolina and no- Notre Dame coming up here in a couple hours? Who you like? I'm North gonna, Carolina I'm at home. Say, you got to go with Notre Dame, don't you? Yeah, he's going <laughs> Notre Dame there. You hear so yeah. much about Howell, but every time I've seen Notre Dame play, Howell, I don't see nothing. North Carolina, yeah. How the quarterback for North Carolina. What about the Egg Bowl, pops? Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Who you got? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go with Ole Miss. Gonna have to go Lane at home. Yeah, and you know Uh, I like that, but I'm gonna have to. Last game, Penn State at Michigan. Uh, I mean, just an afterthought. A game that (laughs) usually you'd be front and center. You know, nobody cares about Penn State, Michigan. But we're gonna get you to pick it. Well, you, you know, it's. uh, I like Franklin a whole, you know, a lot more than I do Harbaugh. Yeah. Uh, but but it's, that's a tough pick, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, where are they playing at? Ann Arbor, they go. Oh, uh, in, in Michigan. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Penn State because I, I like Penn State. You like Franklin? They got They like... got to win sooner or later, don't they? Ah, I don't know. I they don't pretty know. much they, they're they're playing the games, but it seems like they opted out. You know. <laughs> Pops, are you worried about no Nick Saban with Alabama tomorrow? Well, Does that worry you, you know, about Alabama? Well, I, what bothers me more than anything is he's not going to be on the sideline. You know, you, yeah. you just always enjoy those shots of him that they take during the game mm-hmm. when he's coaching. And we're not going to have any of that. It's, it's not going to be the same with him not on the sideline. You were there in 1998 when Bill Oliver coached Auburn in Birmingham in that Iron Bowl. We were there. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was weird. Terry yeah. Bowden got the ziggy. But I, and, and I missed that, too, uh, back mm-hmm. when they played at Legion Field. You know. Yeah. The Iron, Iron Bowl. Bowl. That was when it was really the Iron Bowl when they played in Birmingham. Exactly. Because that's, that's yeah. where it came from. Yeah. That, uh, All right, Pops. Hi, man. Enjoy that turkey sandwich. I know you're having that turkey sandwich. Oh, yeah. yeah a, a double yeah. double header today, you know, on the turkey sandwich. Cold, cold mayonnaise on there. A little oh, sliced yeah. tomato. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk pepper. to y'all later. There he goes. Pops, he's out of here. We're out of here on a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Pops. Thanks to Charlie Potter. Thanks to Jacob for producing it. Lunch Whistle, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Great options, whether it's lunch dinner happy hour as well live music on thursdays on that huge spacious patio so social distancing not a problem at southern ale house 1530 mcfarland boulevard north until 11 a.m on monday have a great iron bowl weekend everybody 